Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. This week, we are closing out our series entitled How to Be Rich with a message from our family life pastor, the Reverend Jamie Kendrew. Just a reminder that you can get all of the sermons in this series by heading to our website, ccgf.org sermons, or on the Christchurch app, which is available on iOS and Android devices. Now, here is Pastor Jamie with this week's message. Thank you for listening. So, Father, we come to you in this moment asking you, Lord, to speak to each and to every one of us. What a beautiful thing it is for us to be able to sing of your goodness this morning. So many faces, so many stories of what has been carried into this place on our hearts and on our souls. And regardless of how light or how heavy it may be, we know that you are good, God. We thank you that in our pain and in our sorrow, we thank you that in our joy and in our enlightenment, Lord, we can say to you, you are good. We thank you that you are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And we thank you for the promise that we read in the book of Luke where it said, blessed are those who hear the words of God and obey it. So God, as we listen to what you have to speak through your apostle Paul and through Jesus this morning into our lives, we pray, God, that you would help us to be obedient to it. Help us, Lord, to let go of our fear. Help us, Lord, to let go of our control. Help us, Lord, to let go of the sinful thought that money can provide safety. And help us to remember that the grass of the field, the ravens, the birds, you take care of all of them and how magnificent they are. And your word reminds us how much more magnificent are we in your sight. And so, Lord, we thank you this morning that we are your children. It's important for us to remember that you love us and that you are our Father. And that you are good. So speak to us, Lord. May my words be your words, Lord Jesus. And speak to each of us in precisely the way we need to hear you this morning. And all of God's people said, Amen. Well, good morning, church. Happy uh, late Thanksgiving to you. It's great to be with you this morning as we're closing out our series entitled How to Be Rich. And I know over the past several weeks, we've been talking about that passage in 1 Timothy uh, where we talk about being rich. And if you've been here, you know that we're not talking about being rich in the things of this earth, but we're talking about what does it look like for us as believers to really be rich in God. And so this morning, we're going to continue in that thread as we talk about diversifying the way that we give. In a moment, we're going to talk about Paul and the way that he was instructing Timothy to teach his church about giving, and then how Paul took that teaching. It wasn't an original thought in his mind, but it was a thought that had been implanted there because Jesus is constantly talking about the way we as Christians are generous to one another, the way that we handle our wealth. And so we're going to take a look at a parable that Jesus has for us. And then this morning we're going to close by looking at the way some of us give. And then we're going to look at the way that all of us should give. And so God's good this morning, isn't he? 
You know, it's right for us as a church to talk about money, as Pastor Jared talked to us last week, because you see, each and every one of us, if you drove to church this morning, you're a top one percenter in the world. You are rich. I'm looking at a bunch of rich people this morning, including myself. You are rich. God has blessed you. And I want you to remember this phrase that not everything that God has put in your your possession, not everything that God has placed in your hands is meant for your consumption. A lot of times on this earth, we think that God has blessed us and given us something and because we're awesome. Listen, in the grand scheme of history, I'm not that big of a deal. In the grand scheme of history, ready? You're not that big of a deal. But God is. And we're his children. So we're a big deal. But what's even bigger than that is the way that we love one another. And the way that we love one another is by the way we're generous to one another. And so are we a people who are generous? Or are we a people that are focused on this present world? Because I got something to tell you. I don't care if you have 50 bajillion dollars in your bank account or you have two cents to your name. When we all die, it's an equal battleground. It's on equal footing because guess what? 100% of you will leave 100% of every penny you ever earned here on this earth. But the treasures that we store up for the kingdom of heaven will last forever. What does that mean? Well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. You know, I was blessed to be invited down to training camp this past year, and and every year when I go down there, I always take somebody with me just as a way of blessing them and saying, hey, come on down. For a lot of folks, that's a pretty uh, neat experience. And this year, my son always goes with me, and this year I took a a friend who had never uh, experienced anything like that, and he said, hey, how can I thank you for that? How can I bless you for blessing us? And I said, look, you don't need to do anything for me. Well, while we were down there, he, he bought my son a jersey. And that may seem like a simple thing. It may seem like a simple illustration. But I think when he did that for my son, he blessed me far more than anything he could have ever done directly to me. I know that when my shoulder was being reconstructed, I was on my back for several weeks and, and there are some very beautiful people in this church that came to my house or, or we brought our children to their house and they took care of my infants. They took care of my children. And I am forever grateful for them. Forever grateful for the way that they loved my kids. And, and, and what I'm reminded of through this sermon is that if we really want to bless the parent... The way to bless the parent is by blessing the child. Amen? I remember the first time I took my son hunting and we harvested a buck. I got more excitement out of watching him than any hunting trip I had ever been on. Because when the child is blessed, the parents are blessed. You see where I'm going with this, don't you? Remember, God is our good, good father. And if we want to bring a blessing to the Lord, the way we bless God is by blessing his children. And each of us as rich people, we have been given a platform, we've been given an abundance, and we've been given a charge to take the wealth that we have been given, to not squander it, to not waste it, but to bless others. Amen? Say this with me. It's not wrong for me to have a savings account. Let me hear you say it. 
It's not wrong for me to be wealthy. Money is not evil. It's not. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Because here's the problem. We, as people, we love blaming stuff for stuff, don't we? It's, it's not the broken person's fault. It's the object. It's the thing. And instead of blaming and going to the heart of the issue, which is the broken human nature, we say money is evil. Well, listen, money is just portraits on paper, people. The brokenness comes when we put it in the place of God. The stuff is not necessarily evil, but the way we handle it has potential to be a disaster. God is blessing some of you out there and your cup is overflowing and you are in turn blessing other people. And I'm going to tell you what, God's going to continue to bless you because you are not concerned about being rich in this world because you understand it's about being rich in the world to come. Paul's teaching Timothy and he makes this statement to Timothy. He says, and we've been talking about this for the past four weeks. He says, command those in 1 Timothy 6, 17. Command those who are rich in this present world. We've already said it. We're all rich people, right? Are you a rich person this morning? Everybody say yes. You are rich. And if not, I'd love to take you to some places where you can see how rich you are. (laughs) Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. Money's not evil, people. Our intentions are evil. Our hope needs to be in God. Put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. He says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. And in this way, they will lay up a treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. Listen to me. Do we understand that there's more to this life than this existence on this place? As Christians, we say that we believe in heaven. As Christians, we say that we want to serve the king. Then why are we such slaves to this place? We spend our most precious time simply working, but for what end? Are we working for the sake of sharing the gospel message? Are we working for the sake of blessing others? Are we working for the purpose of taking care of our family and and teaching them to then go bless others? Or are we simply hoarding everything that we have? I have some friends that that are, well, I'll just say it. I mean, they're doomsday preppers. They're so terrified of the end of the world that they're failing to live in it currently. They're so terrified of what might happen that they're not recognizing that God gave them a platform now, not so that they can accumulate and squander, but he gave them a platform now so that they can accumulate and bless others. There's a much bigger picture than what we see here on this earth. And Paul's teaching Timothy through this passage that we've been looking at, that we are to be givers, that we're to be joyful, we're to be generous, we're to be caring for one another. It breaks my heart every year, and I need to mention it every year, that we have a holiday dedicated to being thankful to God for the things that we have, followed by a day celebrating the stuff we don't have. 
We can't even finish Thanksgiving now without rushing out the door for Black Friday to accumulate more when there's people on the streets down on the north side or all over the city who don't even have a piece of turkey to eat that day. As Christians, that should turn our stomachs because we're not to be about accumulating wealth here on this place, but we're here to take our wealth and use it as a platform for the sharing of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Paul is teaching Timothy. He's saying, you need to teach your people this way. As Christians, this is how we ought to live. Their money's not evil. Their money's not bad. It's a tool that God gave them to bless others. And I'm looking out in the crowd today, and I know a lot of you, God has blessed the socks off of you, and he's going to continue to do so, Because you're already blessing other people and we praise God for you. But there's a lot of us out there that we hoard and we accumulate. And Paul is saying, don't do that because that leads to death and decay. In fact, when Paul's preaching to Timothy, he's teaching right out of the book of Luke, chapter 12. What's taking place in the book of Luke is there's a couple of brothers who are arguing and, and the one brother wants the other brother to give him his inheritance, but the other brother's refusing. He wants to hang on to the money. He's being greedy. He's hanging on to his wealth. And they ask Jesus, he asks Jesus, he says, Lord, will you tell my brother to give me my money? And this is how Jesus responds to them. I love it because Jesus is the master parable teller. Jesus is always uh, about answering questions with questions. And he says this to them, uh, starting in Luke 12, verse 16. He said, The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Now, what the audience of that day is hearing, they're hearing a very rich man just came into a large sum of money. And now as people today, some of us snicker and we go, why does the rich guy always get the break? Right? So that's kind of what they're thinking there. He said that the rich man had a problem and his his problem, the poor guy, was that he had so much wealth and crop accumulated that he didn't have anywhere to put it. The poor guy and his millions, I don't know what he's going to do. And he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store up all of my grains and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for you for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. So what he said was, is my cup is overflowing. And since my cup is overflowing, I'm not going to bless those around me. And instead of blessing those around me, my cup's overflowing. I'm going to build a bigger cup. Because what that means for me is, is then I can take the rest of my life easy. I won't have to work. I won't have to do this. I won't have to do this. I can eat, drink, and be merry. And while there's a human side of us that says, I, I want to eat, drink, and be merry. I, I, I don't want to work. I'd love to just do the things that please me. Listen to me. We're not talking about retirement from your employment here. We're talking about retirement from your faith. And I want to say this to all of us. As Christians, we are never done working. Until you don't have a breath in your body, and even then some, God has a mission, a purpose, and a plan for you. And you are to continually be generous. You are to continually give. You are to continually be about the service of the kingdom. You know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. You are never to sit back and watch others do the work. God has a mission for you. Don't retire in your faith. Don't take it easy. Now, people hearing this, 
you know, we think, again, and remember we said it, there's nothing wrong with a savings account, right? It's, it's actually smart for you to save. God wants you to be a good manager of your money. You should have a, a financial plan in place. And if you don't, I've got a lot of financial counselors I'd love to have you talk to because as believers, we should have good financial management. But the problem here is not that this person has an abundance of wealth. The problem here is this person is hoarding their wealth. Because you see, the very next line out of Jesus' mouth is he says, uh, but God said to him, you fool. Why is God calling someone who's accumulated and accrued wealth so that he could leave a giant nest egg for his little ones? Why is God calling him a fool? Well, he's calling him a fool because he says in the parable, he says, this very night your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Remember, we said at the beginning, how much do we all leave 100% of the time? 100% of it. When you die, all of that wealth that you accumulated, all of that security that you developed, it is going to go somewhere. And if you're someone who says, I love and I know the Lord, Why not put that to the service of the king while you're here to see it? Because you see, you're building a wealth, not for this earth, but for heaven. And there's a lot of us out there right now who who have a problem with this sermon because we say, well, I don't give to God because I want thanks in heaven. You can argue with Jesus about that because those aren't Pastor Jamie's words. Those are his God says that there will be a blessing. You will be rewarded in heaven for the way that you manage the things that he's blessed you with here on this earth. And one day when you die and go to heaven, though we know we don't deserve a reward, God will still reward us. And the reward, the treasure that we should be building up is not treasure here on earth, but treasure in heaven that lasts forever. 100% of the treasure that we store up in heaven is with us 100% of eternity. And I know there's some of us that are uncomfortable with God blessing us in that way, but he's going to. We should want to offer ourselves as a gift to God, our monies, our finances, our times, our talents, everything about us. You know, I say this illustration all the time, and I'm going to say it again, but when we, as husbands, give our wives a gift, we don't want to just give her something we found at the gas station, even though a lot of us will grab that card and do that. We want to give her a gift that is thought out, that is precious, that smells good, that is soft, that's, that's meaningful, something we thought out. And wives, that's the type of gift you wish to receive from your husband, right? Right? Come on. I know John warmed you guys up better than that. We want to receive sweet things. And if we want to give a gift to God, if we want to bless the Lord, then how do you bless the parent? You bless the parent by blessing the children. And what Jesus is saying to us here, he's saying, look, you are a fool because everything that you've accumulated for yourself here, it's all going to go back in the box. It's all going to go away. And then he says these words in verse 21. And I want us to look at these for a minute. It says, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Look at that passage. Bless God by blessing his children. It says, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Is that passage telling us that it's wrong to store things up? I want you to answer that out loud. Is it, is it what it's saying? No, it's not saying that. There is a gigantic but in that sentence. Yes, I said gigantic but. 
This is how it will be for anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. God is not telling us that wealth is wrong. What he's telling us is when we forget about the but and the richness towards God. If we are blessed, if we are wealthy, and if we are rich, the desires of our heart are turned towards God. If we're desiring God, then our wealth will be placed in places that God's heart is. You know, there's the prosperity gospel teaching out there that is so hurtful to Christianity. It teaches that if if you're good enough and you're smart enough, you won't have pain or illness. That if you uh, love God enough, that you'll have accumulated lots and lots of wealth. Well, listen to me. That's the way the pagan gods worked. That's not the way our God works. Sometimes in this life, you're going to have pain. Sometimes in this life, you're going to be poor. God does not love you because of the size of your bank account or the title in front of your name. God loves his children because they're his children. And so when we think about that concept, we need to get rid of that that prosperity gospel garbage. God blesses you because he loves you. And for each of us, he blesses us differently. To some, he gives a little. To some, he gives a lot. But what he desires from us is a heart that is rich towards him. The widow's might, those two little coins that she dumped in were far more valuable than the 200 bajillion that these people turned in who reluctantly let go of it. God will take two cents from a child's hand so much further than that million that a millionaire gives simply because he has to. It's not about the amount, but it's about the heart. And when our heart is in the right place, we are rich towards God. The prosperity gospel garbage teaches that, that, you know, the Bible says that, you know, if you love Jesus, he'll give you the desires of your heart. He's not talking about stuff. He's talking about when we, when we give our lives to Jesus and when we love Jesus, our desires change. We love God and the desire of our heart isn't these things, but our desire in our heart because we love the Lord is to see his children blessed. You following me, church? Are you believing me this morning? Our hope is not in our wealth, but it is in the name of Jesus Christ. Are we rich towards God? Well, what does it look like to be rich towards God? Well, he tells us. We're going to jump down to, to verse 33, Luke 12, 33. He says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Are you rich towards God? Are you blessing his children because it's an opportunity for you to bless God? Or are you a reluctant giver? Do you give out of duty or do you give because you get to? Because as believers of what we say we believe, we should give because we get to. Because we get to celebrate the incredible things that the Lord is doing. Are we rich towards God? Are we building an inheritance that will last forever? Are we storing up grain that will rot here on this earth? 1 Peter 4.10 tells us that each one of us has been blessed so that we can in turn go and bless other people. And listen to me, if God is blessing you with wealth, he's got something for you to do with that. It's not wrong for you to have a savings account. In fact, it's right. It's not wrong for you to want to leave something behind to your children. It's right, but don't hoard. 
Don't be so focused on accumulating wealth that you miss the goal. You miss the mission that God has for you. There's a hurting world out there and ministry needs to happen. And as, and as we've heard Pastor John say before, ministry happens with, with prayer, people, and money. And, and your finances are the fuel for ministry on one sense. And so when we as the people of God commit to God these blessings and these gifts that we give to him, ministry takes place. And God takes that money and he makes it so much greater than anything that we could potentially have ever done with it. Are we rich in the standards of the world or are we rich in the standards of heaven? You know, sometimes when we think of generosity, we, we as Christians have this uh, view that, that we give spontaneously. And this is the type of giver we shouldn't be. But we don't give and, and then something emotionally attaches to our heart and we don't have money to give. We haven't set up a plan in that way. And, and so we spontaneously give and now we're $5,000 in credit card debt. Listen, that's not the way God wants you to give. God doesn't want you to spontaneously and thoughtlessly give. He wants you to, to think about it. He doesn't want us to sporadically give. He doesn't want us to just say, ah, well, you know what, here we go. I'll do this and, and I'll do this because I heard Sarah McLaughlin singing about cats on the TV. I'll, I'll give $5,000 to this. It's not how God wants you to give. God doesn't want you to give sparingly. You know, it horrifies me when I talk to people in the food service industry, particularly waiters, and they talk about Sundays after church being the time where they make the least amount of money because the Christians that come in are the, are the worst tippers. Listen to me. As the people of God, nobody should be able to out-tip a Christian. Nobody should be able to out-give someone who gives out of gratitude. We need to be very spontaneous, excuse me, uh, unsparing of our giving. We need to be generous. I was so blessed this past uh, fall when, when the earth was so angry and all these hurricanes and earthquakes were taking place. There was this article on CNN about how the Christian church has mobilized faster and raised more funds than the United States government and FEMA and any other organization that is involved could have. The people of God got busy, they got moving, they raised support, and they cared for people. That should be the reputation. We can clap for that. That's the reputation of the church that we should have. The church should be the first person that the people look to, should be the first place that people look to when they're in trouble because they know the church responds with love, they respond generously, and they respond with a giving heart. I pray that we're that type of church. You know, in closing here, I just want to mention that God desires for us to, to give, not just to the local church, but that's needed. You're, you're to give all over the place. You're to be generous with your giving. But in order for us to be able to give and, and still be able to give, sometimes we have this mindset that when it says sell your possessions and give to the poor, it's not saying sell everything you own. It's saying sell possessions that are laying around collecting dust. How many of you had to dig through a mile of stuff that you didn't even know you had yesterday to put up the Christmas tree? We know what hides under the stairs in those closets. Stuff that we've never opened, stuff that we've intended to re-gift that we forgot we've had. But what if we took those things and that finance that we spent on that stuff and we used it to bless others instead? You see, God wants us to have a plan for giving. God wants us to make giving a priority. Do you make giving a priority? Is the only time you know what you give is during tax time? 
Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you're planning to give, you should know what you have to give and how much you can give at all times. Are you making giving a priority? We make savings for college and for weddings and things like that a priority and life insurance. But I would say this to all of us. And for those of you about to be married, yeah, I'm talking to you, Connor, where you at? You need to have a plan for saving for the sake of giving it away. Savings and giving. Is it a priority? Do you know the percentage that you're giving away? We as the church love to talk about that 10% that we're called to give away. Listen to me. We grabbed that number out of the Old Testament. They gave about 10% of what they had to offer to the Lord. Listen to me. As rich people all in this room, we're all rich people, right? We should be giving far more than 10%. God has blessed the socks off of each and every one of us. And as our cup overflows, are we simply just building bigger cups? Or are we finding more places to pour the grain? We're not going to be able to take it with us, people. Plan to give. Make it a priority. Set aside a percentage. And let your giving be progressive. As your cup fills up, as, as, as your income increases, again, don't build bigger cups. Find more places to give. Make it a priority. Give it a percentage. And make your giving progressive. Invest in eternity. And I promise you this. When the Lord looks at you and says, well done, good and faithful servant, here is your reward. You're going to want to offer it all back to him anyway. You can't take it with you. Remember, not everything placed in your control was meant for your consumption. And when we let go of our money in that way, I promise you, church, your money will let go of you. It's the number one contender in our heart for the Lord. We don't want to put anything before our relationship for the Lord. Do you view your money as a platform or a God? Lord, we love you. We thank you for this reminder from the book of Luke that you've called each one of us to be your servants, to be joyful givers, to be gracious givers, to give out of our wealth, to give out of our poverty, but to be givers. And so God, as we do so, we pray that you would receive our gifts that you would burden our hearts. Help us to create a plan. Help us to have those conversations. Help us to have a fund set aside that allows us on those moments where someone comes to us and says, I'm doing this or I'm doing that, that we can give back. Help us, God, to be more concerned about investing in the mission of Jesus than any other thing in our portfolio. Help us to diversify our giving, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.